The podcast under the stairs, Void Diary Entry Number Seven, a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, entitled "Spirits of the Dead." Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the grey tombstone. Not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. Be silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness for then. The spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee, and their will shall overshadow thee. Be still. The night, though clear, shall frown, and the stars shall not look down from their high thrones in the heaven. With light like hopes to mortals given, but their red orbs without beam to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which would not cling to thee forever. Now our thoughts thou shalt not banish; now our visions ne'er to vanish. From thy spirit shall they pass no more like dewdrops from the grass. The breeze, the breath of God is still, and the mist upon the hill. Shadowy, shadowy, yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token. How it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. You're listening to Druid FM on one nine two BC. Welcome to the podcast under the stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs episode number 46. I am your host Duncan McLeish and coming up on this show, two movie reviews, an interview with a short movie director and a Bazzi's Basement. So how you all doing? I hope you're doing well out there. I hope you've been keeping yourselves nice and busy. I myself have not long finished recording the upcoming roundtable discussions on the works of John Carpenter. That is going to be a massive podcast. I expect the finished article to be about four hours long. So um, that'll probably be a couple of days listens for the the, the normals out there. And for those hardcore podcast listeners, uh, it should tide you through at least half a day at work, which is always a bonus. Um, that was a fantastic discussion as well with my guests Jamie Jenkins, Doug Tilly, Jeffrey X. Martin and the incomparable... Bo Ransdell. We covered the entire back catalogue of his works, all four and a half decades of TV movies and movies. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, I checked out his new album that he dropped, uh, the, the, the Lost Themes. Um, bloody good album. Really, really, really good. For those that like Carpenter scores, you're going to love this. Uh, I think the thing listening to it, though, um, was just this kind of overbearing feeling that I want John Carpenter to make another movie. I know a lot of people out there weren't sold on the ward. I don't think it's as bad as everyone keeps banging on about. You'll hear me talk about it on the round table. I think there, there's still enough in there to like, I just don't think it's a particularly good John Carpenter movie. Certainly better than a lot that came out that year though. There's a lot of shit that came out that year. Um, I think Carpenter just has those high standards attached to his name that when we see something that's a bit banal, it's very difficult to, to disassociate ourselves from the fact that it's a bit banal. 
Anyway, uh, on this show we have two movie reviews uh, with myself and my special guest host on the show, Eric Bergstrom. Uh, you may know him from 100 Years of Horror or for his new podcast, Sloppy Seconds, or maybe even from his Jallo only exclusive uh, podcast which is called Jallo Chow Chow. Uh, we had some fascinating discussions about 1996's The Frighteners and 2014 Suburban Gothic. Uh, so those reviews will be coming up later on in the show. Um, as well as that, uh, I had the opportunity to chat to um, a short horror movie maker um, called Andy Stewart from Glasgow, uh, from Scotland, which is always a pleasure to chat to a fellow Scot. But he's currently doing a crowdfunding Indiegogo campaign for his new short, Redacted, which will star Lawrence E. Harvey from Human Centipede 2 and The Editor as well as a woman who I have spoken to in the past and I must say I'm a huge fan of her. It is of course Tristan Risk from uh, American Mary where she played Beatrix, a fascinating performance of Betty Boo um, and a weird kind of fetish PVC based change modification sort of way. <laughs> as well as a short that she starred in with Lawrence Harvey called Call Girl um, and also the editor. Uh, both of them are scheduled to be uh, in the upcoming short Redacted by Andy Stewart so we get a chance to chat to him on this podcast and like I say if you've got a bit of spare money on you, a bit of spare change, uh, give it wisely to Redacted. Um, Andy Stewart's previous projects, Dysmorphia and Can Split are fantastic examples of um, short body horrors um, they're really 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 good so I would love to see this project happen uh, for this man so you get to hear him chat as well as that Baz comes back with Bazzy's Basement and I know that you guys can't wait to hear what dreadful dreadful advice Baz is going to give out to another one of our listeners uh, just a reminder if you want to submit a question or ask advice from the Baz all you need to do is send an email into podcast under the stairs at gmail.com and in the header put Bazzy's Basement. So I think that uh, sums up everything that I want to get out at the start of this show. We'll obviously be dropping some more details about upcoming shows at the end of the podcast so make sure you stick around to check out that shit at the end. But we're going to take a short break just now and when I come back it's my interview with Andy Stewart right after this. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Please consider us your high priest and priestess of satanic cinema. Join us on our podcast, Kiss the Goat, which will drag your soul through some of the finest and worst devil movies of the last 50 years. Devils and demons, exorcisms and possessions, cults and rituals, dogs and cats living together. Is that a devil movie? Maybe. Sort of. I don't know, babe. We'll talk about it later. Join us on the Horrorphilia Podcast Network every other week as we don our hoods and cloaks and kiss, kiss the, the goat. It's a hell of a good time. I knew you were going to say that. Of course you did. It's in the script. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties 
than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruggernation.com. And welcome back. So I am delighted at this moment to introduce a very special guest to the podcast. Um, this man is a fellow countryman. He is from the, the land he calls Scotland. And um, he is, a, 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 am I right in saying award winning? You've won awards, haven't you? Uh, a multi-award winner. <laughs> multi-award winning. <laughs> I've got <forgot> to be. <laughs> a short filmmaker, um, and he currently has a brand new project, which is crowdfunding at the moment. We're going to get to that later on, but um, allow me to introduce Andy Stewart to the podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm not too bad. Thanks for having me. Uh, this, is, this has been overdue on my part for quite a while um, because uh, a friend of yours and mine uh, was tattooing me and he did show me one of your shorts and this is like last June I think and um, he's like you're into horror you're making my PC's t-shirt and I was like yeah yeah uh-huh. and, and, and the horror stuff I've got a podcast he's like you should speak to Andy that's movies I was like I'll need to do that and then I never got your name and then my wife was in and then she got your name and forgot your name and I uh, it's been it's been a pain in the tits but I'm glad to have you here and it's kind of fortunate it is because you're kind of a busy man at the moment aren't you uh yeah I well, uh, try, trying to be um uh splitting ink are still kind of well Split's just finished its festival run. Um, Ink's still got upcoming festivals in the works. Uh, uh, we're actually playing. Uh, where are we playing? Lyon in France this weekend. Come oh, excellent. Um, so there's Ink's still doing a lot of stuff, and then uh, this pre-production on Redacted's kind of taking up every just about every waking minute and every single possible penny. <laughs> it's not uh, your first time using uh, crowdfunding, though. No, it's not. No, uh, we've done it to kind of varying levels of success in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's a hard thing, and it's um, yeah. And it I gets. Think I, I think it gets harder. Yeah, I was go- I was going to say that the market now as well, just being the way it is between musicians, filmmakers, and I, I mean it's not that long ago I read something somewhere that people were kickstarting meals. Um, which yeah, it was like guy that you got like fifty thousand dollars to make potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, yeah, it just blows my mind. But um, I, I mean, I, I suppose the good thing from your point of view, uh, doing things like crowdfunding is uh, people, the people that like your work, get an opportunity to actually invest in your work, and it's kind of like, um, you know, you you've already put stuff out there, so people know your style. They know kind of what they're going to get. They don't necessarily know what the story's going to be or what you're going to pull at the bag this time, but they they kind of they kind of know they're in a safe pair of hands. So I mean, from that point of view, that that must be feel well. It must feel quite gratifying that people are coming back and saying, "Yeah, here's here's money. Make another one." Uh yeah, it is um it is gratifying when it. Anytime anyone gives me anything, anything towards making another film rather than uh, demanding Mandy Go Go be closed down uh, so that I don't make any more films, um, yeah, it's 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 really it was really lovely. Um, but I mean, it's at the, at the same time, uh, it's, stressful. <laughs> it's stressful. And with this project, I feel like there's slightly more. Uh, I was going to say risk involved, but I think it'll get to that a bit later. Um, <laughs> slightly more, uh, it's slightly different to the stuff I've, uh, I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in, in that respect, it might be a bit of a gamble. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, primarily the, the, the previous shorts kind of focused more on the kind of body horror, kind of subgenre of horror. Yeah. And um, checking out your, your Indiegogo video, um, your, basically your thesis when you're putting out where you're going to go with this one. And, and you're mentioning things which, I mean, from my point of view, are like, you know, they're key words. You're, you're saying there's a bit of fantasy in there, a bit of sci-fi, as well as the horror. And, um, I mean, to me, that's that's music to my ears. Uh, so, I mean, I, I can see where you're coming from with a gamble. I mean, from from an artistic point of view, I mean, this is movie number four, short movie number four. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and... You, I mean, like I say, you've been you've been plugging at it for for quite a while now. Um, how did you start? I mean, how how did you make the transition from kind of having your website doing the kind of horror blog stuff to I'm going to make a short movie? Um, I think, and uh, I, I don't think there's a, there's probably no small kind of measure of arrogance involved in it. I think, um, but. At the time, I had been I'd been doing the blog stuff. I'd been writing for other websites and writing for magazines and stuff, and um, getting the kind of you get the packages, the little uh, envelopes through the door every week with screeners in them, um, and really, I don't know if it was just a l- bad luck or, or what it was, but uh, certainly the quality of a lot of the stuff I was getting that was getting kind of UK distribution wasn't particularly high. It, uh, uh, and I think everyone knows that there's there is a lot of uh, dreck and horror, <laughs> yeah. um, and I got I really did get to the point where I was just getting a little bit bored of watching other people's bad films and thought mm-hmm. I'm going to have a go at this. No, like if if these guys can do this and get a film dis- distributed, why can't I? So um, yeah. uh Turned out the reality was a little bit more difficult than that, considering I didn't know anything about filmmaking or, uh, or anyone involved in filmmaking or uh, where to start or anything like that. So uh, it was kind of a steep learning curve. Yeah, and I um, mean, um, I, I mean, was it always? I mean, obviously, like myself, passionate about horror and stuff like yeah. that. Was it always going to be? I'm going to make the first thing that I do creatively is going to be horror. Was that was it always? Was that never a? You, you know, did you ever have any doubts of that? Did you want to try something else first, or was it always going to be horror? Uh, no, there was never, there was never any doubt, and certainly in my mind, what kind of film I was going to make. Um, right about November 2011 um, was kind of when I made the decision to have a crack at making films, and that's kind of when I started writing, um, and I just was churning out script after script after script um, and they were all all body horror because I had this idea of somehow, although I didn't know anything about filmmaking, somehow putting out a body horror anthology <laughs> film um, <laughs> but it kind of uh, made more sense to just slow it all down and kind of learn what I was doing by breaking it down into the kind of short films yeah and um, in terms of because uh, I said like beforehand that you know I, I mean we were a similar age both grew up in Scotland both came through the the kind of I dare say we both spent many many a a day in a video shop looking at the most uh, ridiculous, fantastical VHS covers ever just saying oh, I've seen this movie Um why body horror? Is that I mean, is that a particular passion for you? I mean, is are you like a big Cronenberg fan or things like that, or was it just 
Um, do you really like kind of the practical effects side of things? Because you don't do. I mean, that's one of the things that kind of stands out about the shorts that you know that I've seen is that you're not going in CGI in this. You know, this is this is practical, um, yeah. which is a dying art yeah. these days. Um, there's, no, so, there's nothing digital in anything we've done, um, yeah. and there'll be nothing digital and redacted either. Everything will be everything's practical. Um, yeah, I mean, body horror for me and. A massive body horror fan, massive David Cronenberg fan. I've actually got David Cronenberg tattooed on my arm, um, <laughs> and I've got a signed photo of him in a frame on my desk here uh, as well. Uh, he's one of he's easily, I'd say, my favourite filmmaker. But it was it was films like uh, actually more films of his like The Fly and Naked Lunch and mm-hmm. um, that kind of got me more and. Uh, Dead Ringers as well was one. It was another really, another one that I was crazy about when I was younger, um, and it was more films like that and films like Tetsuo the Iron Man. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And films like The Incredible Melting Man, and uh, that I was more kind of I was more kind of drawn to that kind of thing. And I think that's why I made the decision to go in and do body horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think it's quite easy to just turn out a, a kind of slasher film or something uh, on a low budget. But I think if you want to tell a story about whether it's a psychological thing or whether it's the more uh, oozy stuff like I did in Split, I think you, I, I think body horror is a slightly more challenging way to go. Yeah. Um, and I'd say Redacted is actually uh, slightly a step in the, the more mainstream kind of if you like mm. horror route it's um i just kind of wanted to do something just a little bit different um yeah. but certainly the the script i'm working on for my f- first feature is um back to body horror again yeah yeah i mean um it's a big fan of cronenberg myself uh even i mean i, I know a lot of people uh have kind of went off him in recent times but i checked out his uh his maps, maps to the stars last year, and I was just blown away. I mean, the guy can pretty much turn his hand to anything and still make. It's still a Cronenberg film, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're watching it, and even though he's like, this is a Hollywood film, but it's so dark and mm-hmm. so twisted. Um, and I think that's what makes him quite a, you know, quite a cool filmmaker. Is you know, he, he never, he never tried to to fit in. He just did his own thing, and I think yeah. that's kind of. And he still does. He still does whatever the hell he wants, and I and, and I kind of I kind of respect that about him. That uh, it would have been really easy for him now, almost like almost thirty years after doing the fly, to still be making films like the fly. But he's he has become a a kind of respected mainstream director now, making big 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 movies with big 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 stars in them, and um, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, I, 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 as long as I've still got films like The Fly to fall back on that he did years ago, I don't yeah. mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's the thing, and he's getting the at the moment he's getting a bit of love from uh, from Arrow Arrow Video of mm-hmm. you know, putting out Shivers, putting out yeah, Rabbit, um, they're putting a Videodrome, uh, mm. which is uh, going to be coming up soon as well, which is pretty cool because uh, previously, like things like Videodrome are. You, the only way to get them in Blu-ray fashion is to get yourself a multi-region Blu-ray player and yep. buy a Criterion release, which is an arm and it's almost as expensive as the player. Uh, but I mean, so like, it brings us perfectly on to the new 
the new project you've got, which is Redacted. And, I mean, the first thing that kind of stuck out to me straight away um, and grabbed my attention is that you have two pretty formidable names in kind of modern horror attached to this project. I mean, like you say in your video yourself, they've worked on quite a few projects together. Their chemistry's been great, whether it's been on Call Girl. I've still to see the editor. I hear it's amazing. That's, um, that's very, very good. Uh, oh, don't say that to me, Andy. I don't know where I'm going to be able to see it. Don't uh, say that. It's, Tell me it's, it's very good. Uh, it's, it's, it's shite. You can, you can edit that in. Uh, you can edit edit out of it when I said it was good and go straight and I said it was shite. Um, um, but but it's, very, it's very good. And I've, I, I had, I've had the privilege of speaking to Tristan Risk on one of the other uh, shows that I've done, and I'm going to try and nab her when she's over, actually, for, for, for some more things. But Tristan Risk, I mean, is a, how do you describe it, a force of nature. Uh, she's yeah, yeah. phenomenally funny, very, very witty, very, very attractive, and yeah. she seems to have kind of captured recently, and I don't know if it's because she's coming from a kind of performance art background, but um, each of her roles have been different and memorable. Um I mean, how did obviously you say like in your video, this is a long time coming for you working yeah. with her. How did that whole thing come about? So actually, I think it's kind of it's a long time coming for Tristan as well, actually, which is weird and really quite flattering. Um, I think it was oh, I need to get my dates right here, but I think it was November two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the Smurfers' first festival abroad. Uh, it was the Real Grind Film Festival in Mon- uh, sorry Vancouver, mm-hmm. and Tristan was on the jury, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for selecting uh, short film jury. I think it was. Uh, it was the first time it had played abroad, and the first occasion that someone fainted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I remember Tristan messaging me. I th- same night or the next day, just saying, fucking hell, someone fainted. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> great film, great shot. Um, and we kind of stayed in touch, kind of back and forth since that. Um, and then when we had been talking about working on another project down the line, mm-hmm. and then when I decided to, we, we had actually, we were going to do another shot that was set to shoot in March, um, which we hadn't been speaking to Tristan about, but round about that time, uh, I had started kind of talking to her about doing another project later in the year, a feature project. Um, and when this short film that we were going to do, we shelved it because we couldn't get an actor. We were, we were actually looking at kind of British comedy actors, uh, trying to get in touch with them, but uh, we had some agent problems. <laughs> uh, so I, I just went, you know what, fuck it, I'm sick of it. Like, uh, we're never going to have it ready in time for February to shoot, or March to shoot. So just bin it, and we'll go on to this other thing that I've got lying around, which um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and I went straight to Tristan with it, uh, with the character she'd be playing, and she said, she was saying that she's this kind of role she's waited to play for ages because it's, uh, it is very hard and it does kind of play to her kind of performance background uh so i i think she's pretty interested in being involved but that is something that's been kind of coming for for a while but uh and co-star co-star with her could be uh how to describe this gentleman could be the the man behind one of the creepiest performances (laughs) in a horror movie in the last 10 years i mean I, i watched um the human centipede 2 and i could not believe that one i had never seen this man before yeah. you know, on screen, um, and two, how powerful that performance is. I mean, it is like it legitimately. I, I had um, 
pins and needles up and down my back uh, watching him. There was something very unsettling about him. And then recently uh, seeing uh, Call Girl and his performance in that, it was just completely different. It's just like, yeah. but at the same time, kind of sleazy. Um, I, I mean, that that must be. I, I mean, he's also he's a he's a he's a fellow Brit. Um, that must be pretty cool working with him as well, Lawrence Harvey. Yeah, it is. Um, actually, the first time I saw the Human Centipede, uh, 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 Human Centipede 2, I should say, uh, I absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> and I think I gave it a, a pretty bad review. It, wasn't, it was nothing to do with Lawrence. Um, yeah. It was more just to do with the, uh, the kind of the, the stuff going on in the film. and just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's one of those films that I've watched a few times again since and I've found myself warming to it. <laughs> If you can warm to a film as like much as you can, yeah. uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I kind of met, I met Lawrence at um, Celluloid Screams this year. Uh, I was there with Splitting Ink, and Lawrence was there with uh, the editor. He was there kind of with the Astro and Six guys uh, representing the editor. Uh, I didn't really get a huge chance to talk to him. Uh, we, had, we had a little chat. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Um, but when I was talking to Tristan, I was actually when I was kind of talking to Tristan about taking this role on, uh, I said to him, "What's Lawrence like to work with?" Because I'd really like him for the the kind of lead lead role uh, in the thing. And uh, Tristan just had nothing but nice things to say about him. Uh, and I got in touch, and he liked the script and wanted to do it. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's massively exciting. Uh, yeah, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, and um, obviously the project's redacted, and people can check out the video, but um, at the same time, uh, just, just to pique their interest just now, to get them to go across to your Indiegogo, right. um, can you, obviously you don't want to spoil anything, can you give us a brief synopsis of what the short movie's about? I, oh, God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, kind of very loosely, it's the, the story of a guy who is out on an afternoon hike in the woods, and he happens upon a naked female humanoid, I guess you would say, creature in the woods. Um, and she's slightly distressed. And he kind of tries to help her a little bit. And then they, they strike up this weird kind of, I don't know if you would call it a partnership or a friendship or a very brief alliance. Uh, and then things get a bit darker. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's kind of someone was reading, uh, reading, reading through the script, and they came back and said, "Ah, oh, it's like Species meets that Jodie Foster film, Nell." <laughs> uh, and I was like, that, "That's fine. I'm, I'll, I'll use that in my, I'll use that in my documentation about the film." Uh, yeah, um, it's kind of like uh, Species meets Nell, I suppose. Yeah. With, a little bit, with a little bit of E.T. Uh, a little bit of E.T. in there as well. Yeah. Although Tristan is far better looking than E.T. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, that goes without, that goes without saying. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, like we were saying, the Indiegogo campaign is in full effect just now. By the time this airs, I think there'll still be about two and a half weeks left on the campaign, um, assuming that you haven't already smashed your target because we're only, what, three days in at this yep. time of recording and you're already, what, 40... 44%. That's ridiculous, man. That's absolutely it's awesome. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so assuming assuming that you haven't already smashed that by then, which is very likely, um, 
basically people have a variety of different perks and the perks are fantastic. I've seen a lot of these Indiegogos that go up and people are asking you to to donate quite a bit of money and um, some of the perks maybe not necessarily meet up to what I would expect, you know, for, for, for people that are actually asking to, you know, invest money, etc. But your ones are really good. I mean, the, the poster one that I've opted in for, yeah. the poster's fantastic. I, mean, I can't wait to get that framed in on a wall. So, yeah. um, could you talk through maybe some of the other perks? Uh, yeah, we've got um, everything from right down at the bottom where it's kind of just like shout-outs on social media to kind of access to, but kind of first access to behind-the-scenes stuff, um, kind of behind-the-scenes photos and footage. Um, and we're going to start uploading that kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, really kind of now, uh, Grant Mason, our special effects artist, he's currently in the process of designing and building the makeup and stuff. So, well... I say he's in the process of designing the makeup. He's in the process of sculpting on a smaller scale uh, the makeup. Um, we've got to wait for Tristan to come over before going into the kind of full full sculpt. Uh, then it goes up. We've got we've got t-shirts. No, I'm telling lies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't don't quote me on that. We're not giving away t-shirts. We don't have any t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> we're giving away. Uh, we're not give, giving things away. I see. I keep I keep saying stuff like giving things away, but. Um, it's it is weird to, when you remember that people are paying for this stuff, but because yeah. it's online, you, it kind of kind of passes you by at times that people are actually paying for things. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I mean, the way I look at it is that um, like the, the perk I opted in for it was twenty five pounds. I get a chance to see the film. You know, what I mean, I get a digital chance to see that movie. And you at get the to same see it time, right away. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty much as soon as it's done. Yeah. As soon as it's done, um, and you know, I'm getting this poster, like I say, which is like, it's really cool artwork. I mean, I'm assuming there's only going to be a limited run of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so well, you're getting a, a chance for that for twenty five pounds. That's actually not that. You know, it's not that bad. You, you know, and you get access to all the kind of, you get a lot of access to all the behind the scenes stuff as well. So yeah, I mean, um, so you're basically you're getting quite a bit for your money. So I know what you're saying in terms of giving away, but you you are kind of really on some level you you you're giving above what. I've seen a lot of other campaigns give away for for relatively the same money. So I mean, I I think that's I think like I say, that was one of the things that kind of caught my attention. If I could have afforded it, which I, I can't, my wife would kill me. Um, I would have opted in for the one where you have the the limited edition figurine, the one that's yeah. being crafted. That because I was reading that, just going, I want that. So yeah, that's what's that's what's Grant's. Uh, yeah, that's what he's working on just now. Um, and it it's it's so weird, like because it has. <laughs> It's fifty centimeters tall, uh, and we're going to we're going to do a run of them. Uh, but it has Tristan's head, like it has her face. It's so weird. Tristan uh, <laughs> Rissa. Uh, that's that's kind of and and I think I think Tristan's kind of keen on taking one home actually, yeah. um, or certainly having one sent out to her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so weird. Like it's it's the first time we've kind of done things this way where we've done a full full sculpt of what of what the makeup's going to look like beforehand before going in and actually building everything um and it is really in the past when things have been made you can only kind of imagine what they're going to look like on the actor mm-hmm. but in this the way grant's doing things this time i already know exactly what the creature's going to look like uh, yeah. beforehand uh and that's that's really cool that's really <laughs> 
So, I, so plenty of time for people to to donate money and like. Yeah, we also said, have stuff as well. Like, like you can come along to set and hang and hang around. You get to watch Grant and have a chat with Grant while he's doing his while he's actually putting the makeup on, just and um, yeah, yeah. yeah hang out with Lawrence and Tristan, have photos taken with Lawrence and Tristan, um, or set stills photographer will take photos and we'll get them printed and shipped out to people. Um, we take you out for dinner, uh, <laughs> get, get you good and drunk, uh, try and get you to put more money in. <laughs> uh, there's all, all sorts of stuff as well, DVDs and um, producer credits, all the kind of yeah. usual stuff as well. Uh, but I think give it, you know, that's this maquette thing, these maquettes that we're giving away, they're really the kind of, um, I think they're they're really cool. I think I'm going to try and get one as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I do not blame you. So yeah, um, I'd just like to say thanks very much for for coming on to do the interview. Um, I know, like I say, you're a busy man just now trying trying to uh, juggle grenades while walking through a minefield. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, thanks very much, and I, I hope that um, when it's all done and dusted you come back on uh, and uh, and tell us about like the, the filming experience and yeah. give us some, some stories and stuff like Happy that to. Andy Happy to. Um, thanks for having me on Yeah. Do, do you have any social networking you want to pimp out at the end of this interview uh, to, can people follow you on Twitter Facebook, yeah you can, find, you can find me on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Andy Erupts you can find me at uh, Shining X Films you can all over Twitter, all over Twitter and <laughs> Facebook as well. Uh, so we've got a redacted page up on Facebook as well, which you can find. Awesome. Uh, so we're on there. Yep, I'll put the links to uh, the Indiegogo um, on the on the show notes for the show. So if you're listening to this podcast, people check them out as well. Go across, be generous, dig deep. Um, yep. Even <laughs> if it's just like you say, even if it's just the cost of a pint, it's going towards a good cause yep. um, and the chance to to support one yep. of your own, a horror fan making a, a cool horror short. Thank you very but much. But also, Andy. actually, just uh, one more thing I forgot. We're actually going to be having a, a fundraising night uh, mm-hmm. at Drury Street Bar in Glasgow on oh. March the 5th, which is a Thursday night. Um, we've got our own uh, we've got our own beer brewed for it. Uh, oh. Shining <laughs> shining exam pale. Oh, see, God. See what we've done there. I love it, I love um, it. And it, it happens to be around about the time that... Uh, Certain Canadian actresses here for some makeup stuff. Oh, um, fantastic! So I don't want to speculate on whether uh, <laughs> she'll be there, but uh, that's certainly the plan. Yeah, I think so uh, the r- short films <laughs> and DJ and stuff as well. So. Yeah, uh, the, the word on the street is that she can drink us all under the table, Andy. So, we'll see. Um, <laughs> right. <We'll see>. uh, <laughs> thanks very much for coming on. Like I say. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll include all these show notes in there. Make sure you get out there and check if it's if uh, one of these shorts is playing in one of the areas around you. I'll get all these details from you, man. I'll include them yeah, in the, the interview. Uh, that you go out and support them. Contribute to the Indiegogo. Thank you very much. I'm going to take a very short break just now. And when I come back, it's another movie review right after this. <laughs> Seventy-two movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list, the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley as we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the video nasty list live on our podcast. Tell them about it Andy. Okay, 1982, 
20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh my god, I don't believe this is not happening! We have got a poltergeist! Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but it's not gonna be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, interact, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. You, you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined at the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. For making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. But now... Some things put the fear of death in the living. What is happening to me? And sent the dead running for their lives. I've seen a figure in a cape. That was the soul collector. When your number's up, that's it. Frank, we got problems. All these murders that have been going on in Fairwater, they're gonna pin them on you. Pictures and Robert Zemeckis. You're next, pal. And acclaimed director Peter Jackson. We don't stop till the screaming starts. You dead? The Frighteners. And welcome back. So it is my pleasure at this time to introduce a brand new face to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is a man that I admire greatly. He put out a series of shows which I think, if you're into horror or you're into horror podcasting, it's pretty much an essential run of shows. Um, he is the voice behind what was, uh, and you can still get it, so it still is, A Hundred Years of Horror. Um, he's also one half of the duo over at Sloppy Seconds and also one half of the Jalo Chow Chow podcast. It is Mr. Eric Bergstrom. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I was telling you off the air, I'm on my second cup of coffee. we got a little bit of a time difference here, but <laughs> yes, early I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, very early where you are. And uh, I am I'm very, very thankful that you got up uh, early to do this. Because these are kind of... The similarities between the two films we're going to talk about um, on this show are, are there. Um, I mean, they're both kind of comedies in their own right. They both kind of deal with central characters who see ghosts, um, but the execution is completely different. So uh, I think that'd be quite interesting. I've I, mentioned on a previous show of mine, like right back at the start, that I think The Frighteners is a criminally underrated movie. Um, I mean, it's basically the last horror movie that Peter Jackson does before he goes and and then becomes Mr. Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Um and so, so it's, it'll be interesting to, to look back over that. But before we get into any of all that, um, I mentioned some of the shows that you're on there. Uh, could you tell the listeners where they can check out those shows? 
Well, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, 100 Years of Horror, and I'm, I'm very honored to hear that review from you. It was kind of a surprise how many people latched onto that show. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just some little idea I had and forced upon the world. But um, I do have the website still up, 100yearsofhorror.com. Uh, if people want to get a hold of those episodes, they're no longer uh, available online to download, but you can still uh, ask me for them, and I'll send you a uh, either a hard copy with, with all the episodes on a disc or a downloadable version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, the shows that I am still a part of that are running uh, is the Giallo show, giallochowchow.com, uh, and we talk about one Giallo movie, an episode, and it doesn't seem like very much, but when you get Creep and... Uh, Chris, who writes over at giallo-score.com, mm-hmm. you get those two guys talk and they can go for a while on, on just one movie. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of the classical ones you might think, but then uh, lately we've been kind of straying into different decades to kind of see how they would stack up against Chris's very mathematical giallo score formula. Mm-hmm. So we just did a, an episode on Happy Birthday to Me, if, if you're interested in that too. And, and uh, Otherwise... The other show is yep, yeah, uh, Sloppy Seconds. It's a horrorphilia exclusive only show, and it's the brainchild of Gary Hill, who just never ceases to come up with different <laughs> ideas for shows. <laughs> and uh, it's sequel exclusive. Uh, we do mention the original film, but we try to not talk about you know like a we try not to do the whole retrospective thing or uh, the look back at the entire series. We just focus on one genre, or I'm sorry, one film. Uh, we go across different genres and try to find out how it stacks up against the original or how it fares as a sequel. Mm-hmm. And you, um, if memory serves as well, out with the, the, the kind of horror genre, do you not have a, do you have a wrestling podcast? Did, did, did I hear that right? <laughs> yep, the, uh, that's just my little fun little side project. Uh, I know that there is some crossover between wrestling and horror sometimes, mm-hmm. so I do every once in a while bring it up on these other shows, but it's... It's just called uh, Wrestling with Friends. It's actually the original podcast I wanted to do even before 100 Years of Horror. I just couldn't get my my uh, high school buddies on board with it quite yet. <laughs> but now they're both bloggers and writers, and they want to you know become famous online. So they we all got together, and basically it's just three friends sitting around talking about current wrestling as well as the nostalgic stuff from our past. Fantastic. Where can people check that out? That one's wrestlingwithfriends.com. Fantastic. Kind of a corny name, but <laughs> it's one <laughs> we voted on. <laughs> Not at all. There's, there's, I, I, think, I think you know what you get with a name like that. So. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. Um, so yeah, like I said before, we're going to be tackling two films. Um, and uh, the first movie we're going to be talking about tonight is from 1996. Um, it is what I would say is Peter Jackson's last kind of full foray into horror movies before he became the, the blockbuster man he is now known as. I know some people would, would say, well, the man did King Kong, but I don't necessarily think his adaptation of King Kong is really horror. Um, so I, The Frighteners to me is definitely his last horror movie. After that, we're going to be talking about a movie that's only just come out. It's uh, one that I've been really looking forward to because it's directed by Richard Bates Jr., who did the absolute fantastic Excision, um, which was a movie that just blew me away uh, a couple of years ago when I saw it. I thought it was phenomenal. I've been eagerly waiting to see how he was going to return to uh, movie making and what he was going to come back with. And this movie couldn't be any 
different if it tried um, is of course Suburban Gothic so um, with that in mind uh, let me give you the rundown of our first movie The Frighteners so like I say came out in 1996 directed by Peter Jackson um, the movie stars uh, Michael J. Fox Trini Avalardo uh, Peter Dobson John Aston, Jeffrey Combs Dee Wallace Jake Busey a lot of other people um, and the synopsis is after a tragic car accident that killed his wife a man discovers that he can communicate with the dead to calm people but when a demonic spirit appears he may be the only one who can stop it from killing the living and the dead um now i saw this movie when it came out uh, it got a, a semi-decent cinematic run in the uk um not a great one but um it, it did not too bad um famously this is the movie that was going to be the big horror movie of the year. All signs were leading that way and they got a bit cocky. And uh, the film company put it out um, during the summer block in 1996, which was the same year Independence Day came out, uh, which basically trimmed it. I mean, this movie just didn't go anywhere. Um, so, yeah, you've got to love the studio industry. Um, so, uh, Eric, I, I mean, um, when was the first time you saw The Frighteners? Was it a while ago, or uh, is this a recent one for you? Uh, I probably only saw it one other time that I can pinpoint, and it would have been a couple years after it came out. Like you mentioned, it kind of just went under the radar for me because mm-hmm. of Independence Day and all those other summer blockbusters. Um, so it probably wasn't for a couple more years, and I was probably hanging out at some friend's house, put it on uh, at... at late at night or something and uh it just i didn't give it the probably the attention or uh the attention to the detail that it deserved mm-hmm. i remember it being a lot of fun and a lot of cool effects for its time especially but um yeah it would have been something that i just uh, was only watching superficially yeah i, th- I mean it's the one thing uh, before we, we we go into to really dig into the guts of this movie the one thing i think um is unfortunate about this movie is how bad the special effects have aged. Um, maybe not necessarily on the ghosts. I still quite like the the kind of the the visual effects he used for like his ghost friends and that kind of bluish sort of almost. It's almost like Star Wars. It's almost like yeah. uh, <laughs> you see Obi Wan once he's dead. Um, it's kind of that effect, and I quite like that. But the effects of the the actual killer ghost. Um, are not too great. That kind of Grim Reaper, kind of floor bending, wall moving sort of thing. Um, I, I don't think it's held up particularly well, if I'm honest. Um, it's the only bit that makes me cringe about the movie. The rest of it, um, I really like. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, <laughs> since you're my guest, it's customary on this show that my, my guest gets to lead us off um, in the review of the first movie. So the floor is your source. Tell me what you think of The Frighteners. Yeah, just uh, I guess piggyback on the the effects, and I and I brought it up, so it's probably my fault. But um, yeah, I really liked the ghost effects. I think that's probably what they spent most of their attention to. Um, I think this, what I was reading was this was one of the first films that his very young uh, effects group, Weta Digital, worked on before you know getting notoriety with the Lord of the Rings films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were just a couple years in business, I believe. So. You know, they worked with I think Rick Baker and some other people on the ghost effects, which were really great detail. I thought, especially on the judge. But uh, as far as the ghosts, it's like they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing with it, or uh, didn't know how they were supposed to do anything with that Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of came off a little 
uh, odd, especially in a t- 2015 viewing. But the rest of it, I just thought uh, visually it looked a lot like an early Peter Jackson New Zealand film. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, the visual style and the flair right off the bat, the, the colors uh, within different scenes uh, just kind of stood out to me. Uh, I liked... I liked how he was still more daring with his uh, moving cameras and the stylized angles that he had, mm-hmm. um, especially when Michael J. Fox was kind of going nuts. And uh, it's just, I think what it suffers from is that it was written or at least conceptualized maybe as uh, a television show or a television movie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it just it just kind of ran on a little too long, I think. Uh, they mm-hmm. they came up with the, the treatment for it. And the the first half of the movie is really strong uh, because of that and because of the ideas. And I really liked how it was focusing on Michael J. Fox's character, uh, Frank, being this con man Mm -hmm. who was in league with these ghosts. So he'd kind of have his ghost friends help him haunt a house and then he would pick up the tab for being the ghost buster. (laughs) I like like that that concept or that that, uh, story that they were trying to tell. And then it just kind of went off into left field with the the bad ghost and Michael J. Fox's character becoming the hero and trying mm-hmm. to stop him. And so it did lose itself a little bit for me towards the ending, a little complicated. Uh, I really, really loved uh, Jeffrey Combs' character of uh, the FBI so, agent. So good, so good. Yeah, he, he, went, he went all in on that one. And I just I feel kind of sorry for him, sad for him, that his character kind of got lost in the end and then they had to remember... Oh yeah, we need to get this guy back in there. Mm-hmm. Kind of threw him back in there, and he, he, his character's fate kind of was lost within everything that was going on. So yeah. that's kind of my my basic review of it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll echo quite a lot of what you've said. Um, I think the the concept in itself it's a really cool concept. I like the idea of our, our hero. I, I like I tend to like movies that have kind of anti heroes and. Um, you know, Michael J. Fox in this movie very much is, you know, he is at his essence a con man and that's what he does, he cons people out of money um, by setting up this scenario that the ghosts that he can see um, after his accident that he, ha- that he had um, he uses them to create kind of minor paranormal events in people's properties and then shows up to save the day with these terrible terrible gadgets that look like a toaster I think one of them did actually look like a toaster um, uh-huh. and uh, I love I love the fact that you know he, he comes in and it's the same sales pitch each time oh this is the worst one I've seen yet and you know it's all, uh, these these events are always really bad this time of year um, just the total kind of con man lines um, I, I really think this movie unfortunately his character is slightly um, overshadowed by the majesty that is Jeffrey Combs. I mean, Jeffrey Combs is like one of my favourite character actors in the horror genre anyway. I think the man... You, you know when you see Jeffrey Combs in a horror movie, you're going to get one of a multitude of fantastic performances. And ironically, um, he is in the next movie we're going to talk about just for the smallest part. But even then, I love the character. Um, I, I think he's great in Suburban Gothic. But mm-hmm. uh, in terms of this one, I kind of agree with you. I think where the movie maybe loses a bit of steam is the length. I think it feels... Uh, you could cut out a couple of the sections quite easily, you know, that they kind of build up to the, the understanding that the serial killer, um, the serial killing ghost... Uh, is actually someone that has had um, 
an impact on uh, the 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 Frank Bannister's character earlier on in his his life, where it, as pertains to his wife's accident. Um, yeah. It would take a long time to get there, uh, and I'm like, well, it kind of feels like it's plodding. Um, that there's a couple of series with um, with kind of flashbacks and all the rest that I think once again could be condensed into one flashback. Um, and I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the whole I will kill myself to become a ghost, uh, but you can bring me back and I'll try. <laughs> I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of that. I've always been a I've always been a firm advocator that you know uh, the the less complicated you make things at the end of a movie, the more likely you are to stick the landing. And whilst I think the rest of the movie does really well, I think the like you say the end of the movie is slightly slightly weighty uh, in a, a way that it doesn't need to be considering the tone of the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie is kind of quirky, kind of comedy. I mean, I don't know if Danny Elfman did the score on this, but it certainly feels like Danny Elfman should have done the score on this. Um, It has that kind of, almost kind of Beetlejuice kind of quality about it, but not in a, not overtly Beetlejuice, but kind of feels in that similar sort of vein. You know, if if there were such a subgenre of kind of late 80s, early 90s uh, to mid 90s sort of horror comedies this one fits comfortably in it um, and yeah I, I mean even even people like I, I love Dee Wallace's performance I think she plays crazy quite well um, Jake Busey who's a, an actor that I, I can take or leave for the for the most um, kind of doesn't do much in this movie but he has a particular look about him that makes him quite menacing so um, or quite, like, quite unhinged so that kind of works, I believe. He is some sort of deranged serial killer, um, and then you've got the, the the you know all these wee cameos that you get from like Troy Evans and Arlie Ermey, who basically plays Arlie Ermey uh, uh-huh. <laughs> in this movie, <laughs> and really well. I quite I quite like that idea. Um, I think there's a lot that that works for it, but I think that unfortunately, like I say, especially nowadays, now sitting in. 2015 looking back on a movie like this it is you can see that there is some issue with pacing especially the, the last third and some of that CGI I would be quite interesting to see because um, it's obviously obviously Peter Jackson's um, effects company but quite interested to see if they would ever consider going back through it and tidying it up Um because I, I think I, I'd quite like to see that I'd quite like to see Peter Jackson I would like to see him do a horror movie anyway um, yeah, because he's been away from the genre for so long, but um, I think the the way things are now, you could clear up a lot of that, a lot of the, the the digital effects in this movie, and they wouldn't be as ridiculous looking as they are now. So, um, I, from from your point of view, um, is there any standout scenes in this which, yeah, good or bad, you know that that really that really when you were watching them, you were like, whoa. Yeah, I think a lot of it would probably be. Towards the beginning, uh, like you said, it's kind of like a Tim Burton film to start out with, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Jeffrey Combs' makeup and hair and, and everything. And his introduction, I think, is probably one of my standout uh, favorite scenes of the film when he, he's introduced. You get this eccentric character. You're wondering, what, what's this guy's backstory? And then uh, the, the girl starts yelling at him uh, because he's questioning too much. And this causes him to run away from the room and throw up because... One of his quirks is that he can't handle women yelling at him. Yeah, the, yeah. The pitch of the voice or something gets to him. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, just the scenes with him basically. I guess you could say I'm a big fan of his as well. Uh, 
yeah, I think it's it's kind of my fault for watching this. Anytime you you check out a Peter Jackson film, if he's got a director's cut, I say maybe stay away from it because this one was another twenty minutes longer than the theatrical. Yeah, yeah and you think to yourself, I mean, I, I'm very much like yourself. You you think uh, director's cut, especially when they're they're, they're of a when it's genre directors, you kind of want to see if maybe the cuts have been made in the in terms of the violence or the gore or things like that. And in the case of this one, it's a lot of story. You know, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of plot that's put back in that. I don't necessarily think improves the movie at all. No, not really. Yeah, it's it's just a little too long towards the end, a little too weighted, like you said. And they could have. I think the theatrical. If I had seen it again, it probably was a lot tighter. They they tightened the screws a little bit more on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this one, it's just um, yeah, you're trying to follow along the plot, and then they throw in. I mean, you get to know Frank Bannister and his wife. He's kind of this uh, this this guy who's been ignoring his wife, and they get into a big fight, and then they go off a, a cliff, and she ends up dying. And that's mm-hmm. what you, you think it's his fault because he had been drinking earlier. And later on, you find out it was actually. Uh, the the serial killer and his uh, underage girlfriend that were behind it the whole time, and but you don't find that out till the end, and it just kind of resets the whole film for you, mm-hmm. which is a little unfortunate. But um, but there are still some scenes towards the end that I really liked as well. I liked when they they confronted the the specter for the first time, kind of blew him apart. I kind of yeah. liked the the effects in that part. I think that they they hit it spot on with that, uh, and getting to see uh, Gary Busey's son's face. I mean, he definitely inherited the teeth. <laughs> it's, he's, he's definitely spooky. Um, but yeah, just veered off into this weird, like, uh, natural-born killer's plot with the, the serial killer and his underage girlfriend going on this murder spree. You find out Dee Wallace later on has, you know, grown up. And, uh, yeah, she's she's kind of a quirky character in her own right. So I do I do like when you meet her for the first time as well. But it's just all this story is is bombarding you, and you have to kind of make sure that you're you're paying attention, or at least try to keep up. Yeah, I think um, I think, once again, it, like Combs, it's it's such. I don't know if I don't know how much of how Combs performs on screen is you know him coming up with ideas or how much of that was. Was Jackson experimenting and telling him, "We'll try this quirk and this character's written in this way." It'd be quite interesting to to do a bit more research on this because the character does feel so so fully realised in such a really weird way. Um, like th- there are so many quirks to do with him. The fact that you like you were saying, he doesn't like um, women speaking or yelling or crying or anything he's really uncomfortable with that he's just in general uncomfortable with people very seldom making eye contact um, when he recites the 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 kind of the day of the crash from Frank Bannister um, and his wife dying when he recites all that out and he's he's really it's, it's so fantastic it's so fantastical a performance with his, his eyes darting from side to side and, you know, he, he's right up the back of the room and, you know, and guess what? And, you know, the eyes are huge and yeah. it's just oh, it's just phenomenal and um, <laughs> the reveal of uh, you can't kill me, I'm wearing a lead breastplate and he's wearing this huge kind of, <laughs> he's wearing armour under his shirt uh, or the fact that he has these weird cuts over his body which are all occult symbols 
Yeah. Just incredibly strange, and the more we get to know that character as the movie goes through, the more interesting he becomes, and one of the biggest travesties of, the, of, of this movie is exactly what you said earlier on, is just when we think we're getting more absurdities on top of this character that are really interesting, he disappears for a good half an hour of the movie, only to be slotted in at the end as a mm-hmm. way to kind of remember this guy and we need to have a conclusion now, and it feels unjustified to the performance that we've had beforehand, um, and that's one of the things that really does kind of stand out to me. Um, the the sequence in the, the cemetery um, with, with Arlie Ermey is absolutely brilliant. It's like, Jesus Christ! Free Bannister! And you're like, fucking yes! Arlie Ermey's in this movie! Uh, <laughs> just doing the military thing and, you know, he's, he's just... Well, the fact that you can that the ghost can morph, and so all of a sudden he's got guns. He's sending off like you got up here. It's just it's it's fantastic, and it's it's those small cameos that you, you know Peter Jackson's are you know he, he's come from horror, and you know that he's he's just as geeky about horror as we are because he gives you these things, gives you these small performances, and brings in people like Jeffrey Combs um, into the mix. Um, it's, it's quite surprising as well, because Frighteners is one of the last main performances, kind of lead performances of Michael J. Fox before, you know, his, his kind of bout of Parkinson's, which kind of really took him out of that, um, out of the kind of the leading man roles. Um, and... I think he's brilliant in this. I, I really do. I think sometimes we forget about how much of a, a really, really powerful on-screen presence he is. Not necessarily in emotions or whatever, but just how he commands the screen with, with so much kind of infectious energy. He's, you know, he is kind of very bouncy and very, very energetic on the screen, which kind of works for him. You know, he's kind of playing yeah. the, an, the anti-hero, but in a way which I totally get behind. Um... Uh, once again, I think that one of the, the kind of downfalls for the movie, especially in the director's cut, is by the time we get to the last half an hour, um, I'm, I'm just kind of wanting the movie to finish and not even his energetic performance is actually keeping me enthused or energised to the end. Um, that's because they kill him. Yeah, well, that's because they, they kill him. He comes <laughs> back as a ghost. And when he comes yeah. back as a ghost, I'm like... Ghost isn't point, as infectious. Uh, yes, it's not. It's not. It just doesn't feel like it has the same draw or energy. And you could have cut yeah. that that section down, you know, to like ten minutes. That, that we, all we would have needed is ten minutes of that instead of like I think it's close to half an hour. We have mm-hmm. of him kind of running around as a ghost doing ghostly things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for its most part, I think it is a deeply flawed movie um, in a lot of respects. I still think it's a lot of fun to watch. It's one of those movies that you can you can put on and watch quite comfortably. I, you know, in terms of how it's how it's aged, I mean, you could show you could show like if a kid can now watch Ghostbusters, they could probably watch The Frighteners. You know, I, yeah. I don't think it's going to upset them too much. Um, or scar them too too much either. Um, I I think I think it's it's one of those ones that, like I say, I think it's easy to forget about it um, because it did get kind of crushed that in that year of of uh, 
of blockbusters of of which there were a few. Um, but still one that I like to go back every now and again and check out. Um, on the on the podcast under the stairs, we do Netflix grades for movies. So the the grading is um, is one you hated it, two you didn't like it, three you liked it, four you really liked it, and five you loved it. Eric, what would you give the Frighteners? Well, yeah, like I mentioned coming into this, it was kind of my first time I really observed it with a careful eye. And so uh, I probably don't have the nostalgic attachment to it as some people do. Uh, But I still really appreciated, like you said, the infectious energy of Michael J. Fox, only 10 years removed from Back to the Future type of movies. He seemed like the same (laughs) kind of guy. Um, I really liked the ghosts, the ghost effects. Uh, the, The characters were kind of stereotypical, but kind of fun in that way. John Aston as the judge. I think kids would latch on to those ghosts more than they would the the bad, you know, spirit effects or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I watched the director's cut, it kind of took a step back from me, unfortunately. But if I could, uh, I guess, review it a little more objectively, uh, I wish I could do a, a half star. But I'll, I'll go with a three on this one. Oh no, you, you can you can indeed just drop a half star if you want, sir. Okay, because it was I'm I know that I've I've heard people kind of go in a different range on your show but I think I'm, I am somewhere in between liked it and really liked it mm-hmm. just that that really part of it I don't know if I can latch onto that quite yet but <laughs> yeah. definitely definitely more than just a like yeah so so you're saying 3.5 yeah yeah I think that's I think that's fair I will go slightly higher than you I'll go four I, I, I've seen this movie many times and yeah I, I know there are flaws in it I um, I'd no longer watch the director's cut um, for for that very reason. That I know that if I watch the director's cut, there's a chance that my my attention will wane to other things like my mobile phone or um, a shiny penny on the floor. Um, yeah, so, especially so, with Mr. Jackson. Yeah, so I, I try I try not to. And if anything, Mr. Jackson has only got worse as time has went on. Ooh. I mean, any man that can release a three-hour movie and then do a director's cut, which is three and a half hours, and you're like, dear God almighty, <laughs> rein it in, rein it in. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll go I'll go with four on this one. It's a, it's a really like for me, um, if only to watch Jeffrey Combs do what you want Jeffrey Combs to do for a good 30 minutes of this movie. It's, uh, it's one of those kind of special performances that reminds you, why he is one of horror's best character actors still working so uh, yeah so we're going to take a short break Uh, we're going to compose ourselves when we return we're going to be tackling a brand new movie it's only just come out in the last couple of weeks on VOD Um, it is the the Soma 4 entry uh, by um, the director of Excision Richard Beach Jr and this one is called Suburban Gothic we're going to talk about it right after this well, Gary, here we are. Somehow, uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is bigger. Well, we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a light? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. Babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm that it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? 
Oh, uh, never mind. So five sloppy seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horror Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. And we are interrupting these reviews for another Baz's Basement, the segment on the podcast under the stairs where our uh, resident know-all and agony aunt, the Baz, comes on and um, will answer your questions or give you his advice on problems you may be having. Um, Baz's Basement comes every single week and you can take part in it by sending an email into us at podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com in the header put Baz's Basement so let me introduce the, the guru of advice I don't know if yeah we're, we're still to find out if any of this advice has actually worked but um, at the moment we're working on the proviso that it has so he is of course the man the myth the legend the Baz Hola, troubled basement bitches. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's tip top. I'm loving it down here, big man. I've got my new settee in. <laughs> what a treat. Was it, is it by any chance a divan lounger? It's, it's absolutely not. <laughs> They're quite expensive <laughs> at six grand, mind you. Um, but yeah, so um, we have had another letter has come into our uh, email. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a long-time listener and valued friend of the show, um, Vanessa, uh, who has been listening to the show pretty much since it started, um, and she has she has asked for your pearls of wisdom, Baz, so um, would you like to uh, read out her email and uh, let's see if you can impart some of the Baz's wisdom. I certainly shall, I certainly shall. Yeah, as you say, Duncan, this one comes in from the lovely Vanessa McHenry, uh, one of my favourite listeners, I always like a wee bit of banter, real Vanessa on Facebook, um, and she says here, to the wise one known as the Baz. Hear that, McLeish? Wise one. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. I know Vanessa. I'm sure she was being sarcastic. I'm recognised now. Um, <laughs> I recently broke up with my long-time girlfriend. It took me many years to find a queer woman who shares my love of horror and true crime cinema culture. Granted, her response to Martyrs was, what is this we're watching and why are we watching it? But a nice shared Friday night at home was a marathon of the true crime show Deadly Women or a child's play retrospective. So, will I ever find another demonic like-minded lady love? Or am I doomed to spend the rest of my horror-filled life alone? Or am I just doomed to become a female crazy Ralph? You're doomed! You're all doomed! (laughs) I hope not the latter. I'm not sure I have enough time in my schedule to wait in pantries or ride a bicycle warning stupid people. Please help with my plight, oh great and wise Baz. <laughs> Liters of lurking lemurs. <laughs> v. <laughs> I don't even know what that last line is, but <laughs> Vanessa is a bit quirky. I'm Something just going to say right off the bat, that is probably the best email we've received in terms of not only how it's written, but the humour as well, and the horror references, which Baz, I am so proud to say you should have got all of them. I do, I do, oh. I feel quite proud. I feel even proud, more proud. proud. It's I'm like overwhelmed it's like, by the poetic beauty of this email, right enough. It's like it's like I'm say. sending you off to your first day at college. I'm just like a proud dad sending <laughs> his, his his son to college to study botany or <laughs> something like that. No offense to the botanists out there, but as um, so this is this is this is quite a serious one. It certainly is. It certainly is. But I'm sure I can help. I'm sure I can help, Duncan. First off, just scanning over the email, I think I see one of the problems here. I think possibly Vanessa's dived in with the wrong films. 
Martyr is never a good film to share with a lady love. Watching a woman getting skinned is it's not romance inducing. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough, the child's play thing, creepy wee doll. Do you know what I mean? They can probably cope with that. Deadly women, I can't comment on. I've never even heard of it. I'm assuming oh. it's some American thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll need to segue that somewhere into a future Bazzi Horror. Then. Yeah. But uh, I'm thinking, Vanessa, your first mistake there, love, was martyrs. Bad, bad idea. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what we could have possibly replaced, but I certainly wouldn't watch Cannibal Holocaust with another woman. Genital impaling is, is never one to get the juices flowing, but not the right juices anyway. Okay. Um, oh no. You know, so, so maybe something a, 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 a little bit low-key. Do you know what I mean? Maybe even move away from the, the horror genre initially. Nice wee rom-com, a nice wee Hugh Grant movie or something. Oh, for fuck's sake. Baz, yeah. did you just drop Hugh Grant into advice? Yeah, I have just... I'm going to recant that. That, that was dish. <laughs> that was utter dish. Secondly, so basically, first off, Vanessa, I want you to review your, your film-watching habits. The, 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 the vile muck you watch in the, you know, the privacy of your own home and your own feet, knock yourself through it, go, go for your life, do you know what I mean? But when you're entertaining another lady friend, maybe lighten things up a wee bit. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. There's a classic. That's got laughs in it. It's got romance. The whole shooting match. He's crackling like a log. Yeah. Crackling like a log. So break, break that down, Vanessa. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That's date movie number one. Okay. Um, secondly, you should move away from the, the circles you move in normally. And for God's sake, keep away from these online dating things. You know, the grinder um, and, and all these things. Just keep away. That's not what you want to be looking. You're looking for a niche market here. You describe yourself as demonic. <laughs> so you need to, you need to target um, specific niche markets here, I think. Spring it to me just off the top of my head. Uh, old Charlie Manson there got himself a young lady love, right? She's no interested in Charles Manson. She, she's just there. She, she's looking for the, 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 the gory fame and all of that kind of thing. I reckon... Vanessa, you could swoop in the back door there, wait till they get wed, because apparently he's worth a mint, right? So let them get hooked up, sweep in, whisk her off her feet. Damn, she is mental. Do you know what I mean? She would love all this kind of nonsense. Uh, and then you've got half a Charlie Manson's money to play with as well. There you go. Boom! Job done. I'm, I'm quite glad you were going in that direction, because for a while there, I thought you were advocating that she heads up her own family of fanatical killers. Um, Ugh, no, no, that's old hat dunk. That's been done before, my friend. <laughs> no way to meet women. Look at Manson's original lot ended up. They all end up in jail. No, God, no, no, no. Straight in the back door with a crazy wife. Well, there you go. So you there you go, mean? Vanessa. It's a sham. It's a sham wedding anyway, Vanessa. So don't feel bad about breaking up. Yep. He deserves everything that happens. He's a nasty piece of work. Oh my God. Right. Uh, uh, hopefully that has been helpful, Vanessa. I don't know how helpful, but hopefully. I, that I fail has. to see how it couldn't be, don't. <laughs> And with that in mind, I'll just remind you again, if you're wanting some, I, I, I love to use the word helpful advice here, if you want some advice from the Baz, or if you want an answer to a particular question from the man, the myth, the legend himself, all you need to do is send us an email to podcast under the stairs at gmail.com, Baz, uh, Bazzy's basement in the header, and uh, we will hook you up with said advice. Uh, Baz, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Certainly would. Uh, as, as well as email, I will also uh, accept handwritten notes stapled to a dead dove dropped down the chimney into the basement. Uh, other than that, uh, folks, I will see you back in the basement very soon, where I will 
run my creepy fingers through the wavy hair of your problems. Oh my god. I'd, every time I don't think you can make me even more creeped out, but you, you somehow manage it. Um, <laughs> so, we're going to take a very short break just now, and when I come back, it's another review right after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. I came here because I need a job. I'm literally on the verge of having to move back in with my parents, and I don't want to do that. Moving back in with your parents right now doesn't sound like such a bad idea. I don't know how to say this without sounding terrible, but you're the worst guidance counselor ever. Lose a scarf. Freak. Your father and I were wondering if we could buy you a couple new outfits for your stay. We recognize your more European approach to fashion. Well, Dad, I'm good. Um, Lay off him, Pope. You don't remember me, do you? Um, Raymond, you're the only guy to come through town that I consider sleeping with, and you're ruining it. So you still believe in all that paranormal stuff? I've experienced it firsthand. I used to see ghosts regularly, and then just suddenly it stopped. Sounds like you have an amazing gift. Why don't you pursue a career in the paranormal? I only came here to warn you. There is an evil spirit lurking on your property. Good luck. This got me out of a lot of hairy situations. Aren't you supposed to communicate with the dead? Really have to wear this? Shh, keep your voice down. You're going to wake up my dad. I'm not riding this thing again until you get new tags. Do you have any idea how many drugs I have on me right now? Well, I believe we're done here then. Uh, welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our second movie review. Um, this one, like I said, uh, is the new movie by Richard Bates Jr. Um, it's called Suburban Gothic. It's official uh, movie date was 2014, but its release date was the 30th of January 2015. Um, the movie stars Matthew Gray Gubler, or Gubler, um, Kat Dennings, Ray Wise, Barbara Niven, Muse Watson, uh, Mel Rodriguez, Jeffrey Combs, John Waters, and a lot of other folks. And the synopsis for this movie is Raymond has a prestigious MBA, but he can't find work. He can channel the paranormal, but Chatting with a cute girl mystifies him. Kicked out of his big city apartment, Raymond returns home to his overbearing mother, ex-jock father and beer-bellied classmates. But when a vengeful ghost terrorises a small town, this city boy recruits Becca, a badass local bartender, to solve the mystery of the spirit threatening everyone's lives. So, like I say, this movie has just come out. Um, Richard Bates Jr. is responsible, I think I've maybe mentioned it a couple of times on the show already, for Excision, which is a movie that blew... Have you seen Excision, Eric? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Yeah, you got to peer in me as well. I, I love that movie. Oh my god, yeah, the end of that movie it was one of those ones that when it finished and you could have heard a pin drop in my house. Yeah. I, I was just like, I'm, oh my god. Uh, yeah, so I, I love the fact that the guy likes, on some level, it doesn't surprise me that his he's second movie would be a kind of quirky suburban comedy because Excision, on some level, is a quirky suburban movie, you know, a quirky suburban horror movie. Um, the fact that he's kind of went a bit more overtly comedic in it, 
Um, doesn't surprise me. Uh, so obviously this movie has just come out, so I don't want to spoil in the initial part of this review, but then we will do a, a spoiler part of the review. So what I will say about this movie, I'll kick us off, is that um, there's a lot to like about this movie. There's a lot to like in terms of the cast. I think um, he assembles a really eclectic cast. I think uh, Matthew Grey Gubler as Raymond is is very funny, very, very quirky. Um, instantly likeable as a character, even though he's basically a hipster. Um, you know, you, you can find yourself kind of attaching to him. Uh, I love seeing anything that Ray Wise does is instantly... You know, brings a smile to my face. I think he's mm. a, I think he's a great actor. Um, I, I just assume we don't get to see much more of him these days. In between, you know, I think he, he's run a, as the devil on that television show. Kind of finished a couple of years ago, and I can't think of anything that he has really been in that I've seen in the last year anyway. But it's good to see him back. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, a very small uh, appearance in this movie, but wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, even John Waters makes this very small appearance and John Waters is a friend of uh, Richard Bates Jr um, and that's kind of why he's in there as a kind of cameo as like a, a friend cameo and I quite like his part as well, I quite like the fun that they poke at that um, Kat Dennings is a delight to watch in this um, I don't know why I, 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 when I remember hearing about the casting for this movie and her name being attached to it I was like, she's well she's attractive but I don't know if she's she's going to be quirky enough for what this movie sounds like and then I saw her on screen I was like no you totally fit the bill you, you're, you're perfectly cast for this movie um, I think it's I think it's well shot I think uh, there's enough nods to to kind of older school horror movies in here I think especially when you go into the, the bar and basically the lighting is Argento everywhere everywhere you look it's every every shade of Argento's colour palette between the purples and the blues and the oranges and the yellows um, and the light and I really like that I think the soundtrack's pretty cool as well um, I do find the story lacks something I don't know what it is I mean I enjoyed it I, I thought I, I had a lot of fun with it um, I just didn't like it as much as I thought I was going to like it and I don't know yeah. if that's because I come to this movie thinking, well, this guy's done Excision. I love Excision, so I will love this movie. And it finished, and it was like, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but there's something that just doesn't resonate or, like, totally hook me in this movie, and I'm not quite sure what it is. What about yourself, Eric? What did you think? I think, unfortunately, uh, Richard Bates Jr., maybe some of his, his writing style was exposed in this film, whereas in Excision... It was covered up pretty well. I thought uh, the the main girl in that, you know, mm. aside from the makeup job they did on her, Annalyn McCord, mm-hmm. uh, who I think is a model. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she she took the script, she took the dialogue, and she made it her own, made it work, made it kind of quirky, fun. It's a lot of the same similar styles that you see in this film. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I think I feel like the lead in this one, Matthew Gubler, uh, even Kat Dennings. They they kind of were a little over the top with some of the dialogue. They I mean they really got invested in it, which was nice to see. But it was just kind of a little too. Maybe I'm an old soul, but I just thought that the <laughs> the quick fire responses to each other, the the quirkiness of it, kind of came off like a uh, who's the I can't remember that scriptwriter for like 
Juno and those types of movies. Diablo Cody. That's yeah, what that's the right. script kind of felt like to me. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, Still haven't watched on to this kind of script writing quite yet. I know it's kind of what's what's the common uh, thing nowadays. But uh, as far as the the story itself, I do agree with you. It felt very formulaic and almost traditional in a sense, where it's this skeleton is unearthed in this mm-hmm. suburban backyard, and something it's it's messed with. It's, um, it's something is taken from the grave, basically. Mm-hmm. And so the the spirit is now in a state of unrest, and it wants to seek its revenge. So I feel like it's a it's a story that you see a lot, even in theatrical releases. And then when you dig down into the the straight to video releases and straight to DVD things like that, then you see it even more, which is I thought was kind of maybe I don't want to say lazy on Bates' part because that's kind of mean to say, mm-hmm. but after especially after seeing a movie like Excision, you're expecting yeah. a, a little more original and a little more twists and turns along the way. But, yeah, he was definitely saved by some of the performances. Um, I love Ray Wise. When I heard that he, he was attached to a film with Suburban in the title, I immediately <laughs> went to Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't play the same exact character, but it's still, uh, he's he kind of gets back into that mode, which is yeah. a lot of fun to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Combs in his small role, once again, you know, standout scenes. For him, in the short time that he's in this film, same with John Waters. I do agree with that. Um, it's just, yeah, I can't, I can't get behind the the leads in this film. Um, they they say a lot of lines that just kind of come out of nowhere and don't make sense. And I think I'm just, yeah, I, I just don't like hipsters. So that's probably my own <laughs> subjective view of it. I've, I, I, I will say this. Um, I. I... I do, I do quite like it, but I don't necessarily. I would agree with you. I think the dialogue at times is, it, it's there, there's a lot of things being said, but not a lot going on. If you know what I mean, the yeah. the, the dialogue is very fast paced and scenes where nothing's happening, um, and I kind of it kind of feels like they're overcompensating for the fact. I mean, this movie's only an hour and a half long. I I think they could have shaved fifteen minutes off this one as well easily. Um, and it wouldn't have been detrimental to to the overall feel of the film. It felt like there was a lot of it padded by kind of witty, fast dialogue, which didn't necessarily aid the movie at all. Um, I think as well. It's funny, like you were, you kind of touch on the, the kind of Twin Peaks thing as well. I think that's the one thing about this movie is I think there is a lot of nods. I think um, Bates Junior is kind of he's obviously he's obviously a firm fan of quite a lot. Um, uh-huh. Of genre stuff, and he does kind of launch bits and bobs of it in into this movie. I mean, there is stuff from, you know, from an extent like the Frighteners in this movie. There, there is things from kind of eighties, eighties styled kind of quirky horror movies. You know, segued into this movie as well. I and whilst I totally appreciate what he's doing, and I think that's great. And you know, oh look at that! I get, I get that that reference here. I sometimes feel that it's all kind of flashy bells and whistles, but it's is there to try and cover up the fact that, like you say, it's a very formulaic, very basic sort of movie, which which is trying to, and this sounds mean, and I don't mean it to sound mean. It almost kind of wants the dialogue's kind of put out there in such a way as that it kind of makes you want to think that the movie's smarter than it is. Um, and I would much rather they just played it to more of the common denominator um, and just embraced this is a goofy 
horror comedy. It's a goofy script. It's a, you know goofy all the rest. Let's commit fully to it um, as being goofy as opposed to trying to add that. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. That kind of Juno esque sort of dialogue. That kind of Michael Cera, Jesse Eisenberg sort of kind of quirky fast dialogue between characters that have only just reconnected but I mean within the first two minutes of them reconnected there's this kind of smouldering chemistry that seems to be there already and the the fast witty dialogue between these two people that haven't seen each other in years which just felt it felt a bit strange um I, I, I don't know it and like I say overall the movie just didn't grab me um I, I, there are elements in this movie I really liked and we'll talk about them in the spoiler section um but I just kind of felt by the end of it, that not that I was cheated, but um, that I—it's kind of like to put in a comparison from last year. Um, last year, I got the privilege of interviewing Lucky McKee, um, and it was on his press tour for All Cheerleaders Die, which is a movie that I thought was alright, but I didn't really like it. And I know a lot of people did like it. I didn't really like it, and the reason I didn't really like it is much. T- much the same to do with this um, is because I saw when I saw the woman I was floored by the woman I thought that was such a powerful movie um, that whenever his name's attached to anything I'm going to go in there expecting a movie of the standard of a woman and all cheerleaders die isn't of that standard it's, it's a bit quirky and it's a bit weird and I, I don't I can't resonate it as a Lucky McKee film this is exactly the same as Suburban Gothic for me, and uh, I've seen Excision. I know Excision's quirky; it's very quirky. Um, it's kind of off kilter and all the rest. When I watch Suburban Gothic, I kind of expect it to be better than than what it was, and maybe maybe that's on me um, as a viewer. I don't know. Um, Eric, before we go and spoil this, we'll grade it just now, and then we'll we'll talk about some scenes that we quite liked. Um, okay. So I, I'll go first on this one. This is a three. I liked it. I didn't really like it. I didn't love it. I, I wish I could give it a 3.5. Um, I was originally considering giving it a 2.5. But, I, I mean, at the end of it, I was still smiling. So, I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. I just liked it. It's just a 3 for me. What about you? Yeah, I think the fact that when I'm thinking about Excision, I, I see them really committing to that, that script and the quirkiness of it. It seems like it was there to begin with from the start. Uh, this I kind of saw some interesting things about it. How it was supposed to be a darker, uh, scarier movie, and then they wanted Bates to go back and infuse some quirkiness into it. So yeah, you get those lines like when when he meets Becca for the first time, then she immediately comes out and says something like, "Well, I was going to have sex with you until mm-hmm. you know." It's like that's just it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So with that in mind, I might I might do the two and a half on this one, right? That you were going to use. Uh, I just <laughs> it's. It's not going to bump it up to a three, which is kind of where I, I go if I considering a rewatch or something like that. I don't know if I'd go back to this film. Mm-hmm. Right, cool. So um, you're going to hear a beep just now, listeners. Uh, this signifies that we are about to delve into spoilers. Uh, if you've not seen the movie yet and you want to check out before you hear spoilerific parts, um, now is the time to skip ahead or hit pause and go and watch the movie because um, we're going to be back to spoil it right after this. 
Right, we're spoiling the movie now, so you, if you've not listened to my warning or didn't take heed and I spoil this movie for you, on your head be it, uh, I take no responsibility for your laziness <laughs> or inability to hit pause. Um, so, Eric, uh, are, are there any sequences in this movie, though, that you that you did really like? I did. I really think that he's, Bates is still really strong when he does do the spooky and dark kind of scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seance scene, for one, stood out. Uh, right away to me, uh, just the the way that the camera moved throughout that, and the little girl that they brought in to communicate with the other with the ghost of the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that the voices, the the kind of what they bring in a phonograph instead of a tape recorder because they wanted to <laughs> they wanted the ghost girl to have something to recognize. So if, so if you bring in a tape recorder, she's gonna you know not know what's going on. So the the quality of the sound from the, the phonograph was really kind of spooky, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, the the ghost visions of, of the father, mm-hmm. I thought, were done pretty well. Even the girl was kind of, I think they did like a floating head of her. Yes. And though that was kind of uh, goofy in its own right, there was something just about her face that was kind of unsettling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I liked the effects in this film. Uh, we've seen Bates can do a lot with very little budget from Excision. Mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. I, I trusted him with that. I thought that he did a really great job with that. And uh, some of the parts where I thought that the humor did kind of work was his conversation when he's trying to get back this necklace, which is the artifact that was stolen from the grave. Yeah. And he runs into the uh, the busty Latina girl, or I guess bootylicious, I should say, <laughs> Latina girl. And, you know, he's... They have this conversation, and all of a sudden he recognizes her. Oh, yeah, you're the girl from the porn site I always go to and have a membership to, which in 2015, it's kind of weird that people still have memberships Mem- to porn sites. Yeah, but. that is. Yes. <laughs> I love the fact he says it's been a pleasure masturbating to you, yeah. um, which I think I think that's a really funny line. Um, yeah. And the fact that he says, do you want to watch telly? And she's like, nah, I don't think I do. I think you should go. Because, uh, yep. you know. Just the way she kind of, they have this instant connection and then as soon as he wants to go further with it she's like well maybe you should leave because this is kind of awkward now and yeah. he goes outside and, and becca's out there doing some weird thing so just the fact that she's waiting for him while he's talking to this porn queen and, <laughs> and she like chucks the stick at a basketball hoop out of nowhere that part of it i thought was kind of i don't know if that was ad-libbed or what but that was that kind of got a little chuckle out of me so there are yeah. there were some moments that i liked and maybe it just was the fact that it didn't feel as forced as some mm-hmm. of the other jokes that they squeezed in there, maybe during a rewrite or something like that. Yeah, that th- those were the things that stood out to me that I that I enjoyed. Um, I like I said earlier, I really enjoyed. The, I mean, I'm being a, a, a huge fan of Argento uh, and, and things like Bava as well. When when people do any nods to that in terms of lighting, I am you know th- those are things that will instantly make your movie endearing towards me, and they do they do that in the in the bar sequences. I love the light and I think it's fantastic. It does kind of evoke the the you know things like the taxi journey from Suspiria and things like that. You know, just the the bizarre weird colors appear to be coming from places which the light shouldn't be coming from, especially oh, yeah. in those colours. Yep. Um, loved, loved that. Uh, Ray Wise, well, once again, I mean, I can't stress enough how much I love it. To me, he's the, he's the performance in this movie that I really enjoy the most. And there is something so funny about him googling the question, uh, how can I get my son committed? Um, <laughs> and just his face, you know, like, he's Google searching that, and then he's like, 
Now I've got him. Because uh, he wants to commit his son. And we find out throughout the later on in the movie, because um, at one point, Jeffrey Combs, who's the family doctor or physician, has been out and um, he tells him that he no longer needs his uh, blood pressure tablets that he's been taking for 15 years. You know, you've outgrown that. We later on find out he's... he's Rewise has been getting Jeffrey Combs to prescribe him antipsychotic... Um, medicine because this is what has made him lose the ability to see paranormal events. Um, I quite like the end of the movie as well, if I'm if I'm honest, in terms of the the idea that he sets up a paranormal kind of shop and then we have lots of customers that come in and not only do we get lots of customers that come in but when we pan out at the end over the credits we see um, just a street full of ghosts um, and it kind of makes me think, you know, there's a larger world out there. And I'm not saying I would want to see a sequel um, if it was handled in a better way than the original. Now that we've got like the basis for the movie all down, I would possibly check it out. Um, just because I would like to see where they go with that. Very much like we were talking about The Frighteners being a TV movie. Um, if there had been a series where Frank Bannister had been... You know, this paranormal con man with, at the same time, who was solving problems as well as embezzling money off people. That, to me, <laughs> would be something I would watch on a weekly basis. I would probably, I'd probably yeah. look at Suburban Gothic in a, a, a similar sort of way. Um, it just doesn't, I think that's, I think what we're both saying really is, there's just something about the movie that just doesn't connect with us. And whether it's the, the, the kind of forced dialogue um, or, or or the fact that some of it just doesn't connect um, or the fact that you were saying just the leads don't connect as much with me as they, you know, as the, sorry, as much with you as they do with me. Um, and there's just something that... It, it, it's weird. It's weird. I think... Um, I think the movie will do fairly well for him and uh, I, I'm really keen to see what it comes back with next because he's now two movies in. Um, they're both been kind of quirky... Uh, I still think Excision is a superior movie. Um, I'll be interested to see what he does uh, after this. Yeah, if you can find the right castings, like you said, Ray Wise made this movie for me. Um, he made it, you know, I shouldn't say watchable because it was still watchable without him. But <laughs> just any time he was in the scene, uh, he kind of stole the stole the show, and uh, he was quirky without being over the top. Um, just his. His old man, uh, gym teacher, wants his son to be less of a, uh, I don't know, goofy hipster than he is. <laughs> yeah, dresses. Um, I love that line where he says, we, we've noticed that you dress very European. Yeah. And uh, I'm European and I don't dress like that. <laughs> I just thought that was... <laughs> I was thinking about asking you about that, but... <laughs> I just kind of thought to myself, what you mean is hipster. That's yeah. what you mean, hipster. <laughs> yeah, and just... Uh, I guess the the way that they kept throwing out, you know, this guy's gay. I mean, yeah. it was kind of like, okay, this is getting a little crazy. But then I went back to my own hometown, which is it's on the far extremes of suburbia. It's mm-hmm. even it's more farm town than anything, and that's pretty much how everyone talked. So that part of it, I was like, all right, I guess I can get behind this. <laughs> uh, I go back to the you know the honky tonk bars where I grew up and uh, see my classmates who are balder, fatter. Still living in that town, and yeah. probably see the way that I'm dressed, which isn't anywhere close to this guy. But it's probably they probably see it as European and yeah. <laughs> want to take me all back and rough me up a little bit. So that part of it, I guess, I did connect with a little bit. But yeah, just the so yeah, the plot of it. 
uh, on the on the periphery. It just felt like a, it was second hat to what he was trying to accomplish in the film with the writing and the characters. It was just like like I was watching The Ring, but not done as successfully. The, you know, this girl uh, whose grave was opened, the necklace mm-hmm. was stolen by some, which I thought, I guess this part's kind of funny. The, the Ray Wise's character had hired, I don't know if they were illegal, but that they were definitely <laughs> kept referring to him as the Mexicans. Yeah. And, uh, oh, when he says to him, when he, when he says to him, hey, we've spent a lot of money on your education. By any chance, can you speak? Mexican and he goes well Mexicans don't speak Mexican they speak Spanish and uh-huh. his dad just dismisses him and says no they speak Mexican um, yep. and I just thought that it's was belief system yeah I just thought that was I, like I was saying you get those small glimpses of that's really funny or that's a really well delivered line and then it kind of slides off yeah yeah so it's I think it just comes down to the performances I've never really been a huge fan of Cat Dennings Oh, uh, I've seen her yeah, in her TV show. I've seen her in some other movies, and she kind of tries that deadpan delivery a lot, mm-hmm. and it just it doesn't come across as authentic or genuine enough, unfortunately. So maybe I just have this this a strange subjective dislike of her, which tainted the movie a little bit. But <laughs> um, but for the most part, it was just like yeah, the the ending kind of all happened really fast too. Yeah, which is yeah. a contrast to the frighteners. It was just. He got the necklace back without much of a struggle. I guess a guy in the bar tried to get a hold of it, but then he just pepper sprayed him. Yeah. Took the necklace and uh, reunited the girl with it, and everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah, it, it does. I, I, I never even actually, that never even, I never even thought about that as you would expect in a, a movie, the, the journey to get the, the item which is needed to be quite difficult, and in the grand scheme of things, this one wasn't. It seemed very... Very rudimentary, very, very yeah, easy, very straightforward. The stakes just weren't very high for it, it felt like. So, yeah, it's like, like I mentioned, The Ring. I don't know if that's a, an apt comparison, but it just felt like, you know, the stakes were so much higher in that one. Yeah, in, yeah. In trying to put this girl's spirit at peace. And, well, yeah, uh, when, even when you hear the synopsis, the synopsis says, you know, um,. Something along the lines of, uh, you know, a spirit that is terrorising the town. It's only really terrorising the household. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say terrorising the household, it's only really terrorising him. Yeah. When he's trying to have some personal time at the computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seemed like very much like a, a Richard Bates type scene that, that would happen. The lights yeah. filling up with some kind of substance, which yeah. I don't know how PG this show is sometimes, but... Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It, it looked, it looked like, uh, it looked like it was full of semen. That's yep. base. And when it explodes and it hits him in the face, quite graphically. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, there's. I, I think I know exactly what they were going for there. <laughs> <laughs> and then he runs into his parents, and there was another line that was kind of like, oh, "Why did he have to say that?" And he's like, "I was masturbating." Yeah, I think, I think the reason he said that is because he didn't want to admit that there'd been a paranormal event. So yeah, of the two, true. what was what was less embarrassing was to admit to his parents he'd been masturbating, rather uh-huh. than saying I've just been chased out the house by a ghost. So that's kind of what I got from that. I don't necessarily think it was overly funny though, um, but I kind of I kind of saw where he was coming from. I think that's right. the thing about the movie overall. I think I can kind of see what he was wanting to do. I just don't think he fully achieved it. I think he landed some of it. I just don't think 
he landed all of it, which is a shame. Uh, it is a shame because this is, like I say, this is one that since I heard that it had this movie coming out, which would be probably about June last year, this has been one I've been really looking forward to checking out, and unfortunately. I just didn't maybe meet my expectations for it, which is a shame, but like I say, um, we will keep a a watchful eye out for Richard Bates Jr.'s future work. Um, So, yeah, with that in mind, um, would you like to remind uh, my listeners where they can check out your shows, Eric? Yeah, well, uh, if we ever do get a sequel to The Frighteners or to Suburban Gothic, maybe you'll hear it (laughs) over at uh, Sloppy Seconds uh, sequel show. With uh, Gary Hill and I, uh, that's on exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network. So if you're looking for it uh, to download or to stream, uh, your best bet is just to go to the Horrorphilia uh, feed and find it there. Uh, otherwise, we have or I have Jello Chow Chow, which is uh, up to three guys now: uh, Creep Creeperson, Chris over at Jello Score, and myself. And both of those shows are bi-weekly. and you can find them on the web. Uh, find that one on JelloChowChow.com. It's not chow chow like you're eating. It's it's the Italian hello <laughs> yeah. goodbye C I A O, and then uh, yeah, if you you are interested in looking at the back catalog of 100 Years of Horror, it is also still available at 100YearsOfHorror.com. And lastly, if you're on the uh, periphery of being a horror fan and a wrestling fan, and you just want to hear some guys chat and we come up with some fun segments uh, to like little game segments and things like that, you could check that out at wrestlingwithfriends.com. Fantastic, fantastic. So go check out your shows um, and uh, show the man some love. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And um, I dare say uh, I can count on you to come back sometime soon, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine, and I, I love uh, coming on these shows and uh, the shows that I really admire and, and love to listen to and and uh, really building up this this great, uh, I guess, these relationships with, with everyone that I have been. Fantastic. We're going to take a very short break just now. When I return, uh, I will be closing out the show right after this. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. Warning, the Midnight Horror Show is not safe for work and is definitely not for the faint of heart. The following is a small sample of what you'll hear live every Wednesday night at 7 at AllRadioX.com. I ain't heard from you shitheads for fucking years. Now, Webula, we do this thing that's called a live radio show on the internet. And so there's people that interact with us. Yeah, they're listening and responding to us right now in real time. Who, who, who's talking shit? <laughs> fuck, Somebody's talking shit? Someone named Fuckface. And so then, fuck you, Fuckface. <laughs> oh, you think we'll go off on tangents? <laughs> on the Midnight Horror Have show? you ever listened to this show before, Mark? <laughs> he was masturbating into the, the corpse of a fucking beheaded fish. Fucking uh, nasty motherfucker. <laughs> we're going to end the show on corpse fucking this time, apparently. Anytime you talk about necophilia, you're talking... It's going to take a certain kind of person to watch it. Yes, it's a charmed life. Fuck you. <laughs> you can hear the Midnight Horror Show live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday night at AllRadioX.com or download the show on iTunes, Podomatic, or at the AllRadioX.com page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs.
And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 46, where we covered reviews of The Frighteners and Suburban Gothic. Thanks very much to my special guest host on this show, Eric Bergstrom, and also a huge thanks to Andy Stewart for coming over to talk about Redacted and how you can help fund that project. Uh, Remember, check the show notes for this show uh, to see how you can throw some money at the, the new short movie that he is directing, Redacted starring Tristan Risk and Lawrence E. Harvey. Uh, Let's make sure we all get behind that project and make sure it happens uh, so we can all bask in its glory. So, um, like I said at the start of the show, plenty of things coming up. Uh, We did indeed record that John Carpenter Roundtable, which will be the next episode of the show to drop in just over a week's time. That is going to be a massive four-hour opus. So um, set yourself uh, in a comfy chair, get your comfy slippers, get maybe a a nice nice sherry, possibly a whiskey, um, and uh, get ready to have your mind blown by uh, radical statements about John Carpenter. Um, some of which you will probably agree with. I think some towards the end that you will think are just crazy and spurted from the mouths of madmen uh, or in the mouths of madness. See what I did there? See what I did there? It was a John Carpenter movie. Um, so that show's coming up. After that, we will have a, a special guest, Doug Tilly, who was on that round table coming back to the show to chat to us um, about some Mario Bava. We'll be covering Blood and Black Lace as well as Black Sabbath, which is one of my favourite anthologies ever made. Can't wait to talk about those movies. And I've lined up some more guests as well. Um, graphic designer and all-round horror guru artist Graham Humphreys will be returning back to the show to chat just about horror in general, some of the upcoming projects he has. As well as that, I think I managed to secure the man they call the crew Johnny Krug uh, to come back on the show and we're going to be talking about a heavy heavy hitting double bill of Psycho which oh my god can't wait to talk about that movie and Dress to Kill so yeah a double bill of epic proportions for your ear holes Uh, so yeah loads coming up on the podcast under the stairs remember you can leave us feedback on iTunes if it was for example, five stars. The more of them we got, the higher up the ratings we would be pushed and the, the more likely other people just randomly perusing the, the iTunes libraries would have an opportunity to come across and check out the show. Um, loads of activity on the Facebook page as of the last week. Some really great conversations once again being sparked up. Guys, I can't thank you enough for that. Keep them coming. Let us know if you've been checking out any movies, what you thought of them. Um, if you have any opinions on the movies we've discussed. Have you had a chance to check out Suburban Gothic yet? What did you think? Do you like Excision? Um, uh, what do you think of The Frighteners? Is it just a wee bit too long and boring in the middle? Um, also, just drop any sort of comments in there at all. I, I love the conversations, especially the questions where everyone starts to get involved. Uh, we will be bringing a, a poll to the Facebook page shortly about ideas for the next roundtable discussions, whether or not it should be another director's conversation or whether we should just pick a topic at random, like slashers, vampires, you know, th- this sort of stuff. We'll see where that goes. And remember, this show is also on Legion Podcast Network. If you listen to the 
show over there. Um, maybe maybe leave us some love over on the Legion Facebook page, uh, just so I know. I don't actually know where people are checking this show out. Um, I know the numbers are good, but I don't know if many people are checking this out on Legion. It would be worthwhile to know that. So uh, if you listen to us through Legion Podcast, let me know on Facebook, uh, just so I can gauge the numbers, etc. Um, also, you can listen to us, obviously, on Stitcher and on iTunes and on uh, the the page, the web page, which is podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com. Um, if you want to be part of Bazzy's Basement, then you can drop us an email to podcastunderthestairs.gmail.com and in that email, put in the header, Bazzy's Basement, you can ask a question or ask advice from the Baz and he will try his hardest not to fuck it up, although that seems to be quite difficult as of late. Um, Baz will be returning very soon as well, probably the end of February, to uh, rattle through the the next collection of Friday the 13th movies. That's part 5 through 9, so that could be a lot of fun or a... Oh my god, that could be a, that could be an absolute nightmare now that I'm thinking about it. So, tons of stuff coming up. Tons of shows out there to check out. Remember to check out Eric's shows, as well as other shows over at Legion Podcast and Horophilia. Um, if you're so inclined and like the nasties, the old video nasties, that is, um, myself and Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast have Doing the Nasty, exclusively hosted over on Horophilia, so you can check that one out as well. So, I think that's enough plugging of shows and self-congratulating myself um, at the end of the show, so it leaves me nothing more to say than thank you very much for supporting the podcast Under the Stairs. Thanks very much for checking out this show. The podcast Under the Stairs will be back before you know it, guys, in just one short week for the Carpenter Roundtable. So, take care of yourselves. Until then, this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from the void. Bye, everyone.
Oh, <laughs> 